All right, Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30, we're going to start there at verse 1. Woe, woe, woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that, make, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth, to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. See that exclamation mark? There's not a lot of those in the Bible. So the Lord's really making a point here. You're trusting in Pharaoh. You're trusting in the shadow of Egypt. Verse 3. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame. And the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this people, Lord God. I thank you for your word. And, Father, I just pray, Lord God, that your words preach, not mine, Lord God. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, you just hide me behind the cross, Lord God, that they'll see Jesus Christ, and they won't see Keegan Hall. Father, I just pray, Lord God, that your truth will get out, Lord God. I pray your Holy Spirit will move, Father. And, Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around every heart in this church, Lord God. Protect them, Father God. I pray protect them from the devil, Lord God, coming in and taking your seed, Lord. And, Father, I just thank you, Lord God, that you give us your words that we can preach it and we can teach it, Lord God, and we can live by it. And, Father, I pray if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord God, as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord, if we give the invitation, they'll come on and get saved, Lord God. But maybe they are saved, Lord. Maybe they're just living out in the boondocks, Lord God, wandering around in the world, Lord God, being, putting, going places they shouldn't be, Lord God, doing things they shouldn't do, Lord. I pray, Lord God, as a good father, Lord, you'd speak to their heart and bring them back to you, Lord God, knowing they always have a home they can come back to, Lord. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to preach on trusting in the shadow of Egypt. Trusting in the shadow of Egypt. Living in the shadow of Egypt. Now, what you got to understand here, these verses here are aimed directly by God to Israel. God's talking to Israel. And Israel had been disobeying God. Israel had not been obeying God's commandments. And what God had told him is, I'm, I'm going to bring some, uh, some uh, evil things down on you. Because you're not obeying my command. Well, they got tired of waiting on God. So they, they, they saw the enemy coming. And they said, you know what? I'm not going to ask God anymore. I'm going to go down to Egypt. I'm going to go down to Pharaoh. I'm going to ask them for some help. We're going to go down and counsel with them. And God doesn't like that, not one bit. Because if you know your Bible, starting around Exodus, Egypt is a great type of the world. When a Christian goes into, gets saved and he lives lives with the Lord, and then he gets away from the Lord, starts going out doing things he shouldn't do. That's called going back to, to Egypt, going back to Egypt. And Pharaoh is a great type of the leaders of this world. So you got Egypt is a type of the world, the governments of this world. You've got Pharaoh is a type of the leaders, the presidents, the governors of this world. And what you have here is you have Israel going down, and they're trusting in verse 3. They're trusting in the shadow of Egypt. They want to get under the shadow of Egypt. Guys, we're living in a world today where the government wants you to get into their shadow. World leaders want you to get under their shadow, under their protection. They want you to get under their, come on under me, come under me, come hide under me. I'll protect you, I'll protect you. It's not the government's job to protect anybody like that. I have the first right to protect myself and then it moves on up the, up the ladder. But when you start turning over, you have these idiots, I mean complete idiots talking about defunding the police defunding the police what are you talking about what are you living in what are you what world are you what kind of fantasy land are you living in this is not a video game where you can just restart the game and things don't go your way this is real life 
you got to call the police. The police are there to protect you. But if the police aren't going to be there, you need a gun. And I'm not here preaching guns. I'm not here preaching anything but Jesus Christ this morning. But as a, as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ and as an American, it, it's startling to me how far the government's reached its bony, thin fingers all over our stuff. And God says to Israel, you're living under the shadow and trusting in the shadow of Egypt. What happens when you trust in the shadow of Egypt? Verse 3, therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. You're going to be shamed, you're going to be confused if you start trusting in Egypt. Anytime a Christian starts getting back into the world, the first thing a Christian notices after you're a born-again believer, you start, you, 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 get, you, may, you may kind of fall off. You, we like to use the word backslidden. When you fall off, you backslide, you get back off in the world, and you start finding out all those things you used to love to do, they're not so fun anymore. <laughs> and it's kind of confusing. You get down in there and you say, well, I used to love to do this, but this is, just don't, just don't feel the same. And you start feeling ashamed of those things you used to do, ashamed of the way you used to live, and ashamed of the things you're starting to do. And God's always saying, come back. Come back unto me. Come back. It's just going to cause confusion and shame. Look at verse 4. For his princes were at Zoan, and his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be a help nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. So looking at verse 5, you know what it tells you there? The world's only desire is to profit from you. That's the world's only desire. And I'm going to tell you kids here something. The world only wants to use you, and when they're done using you, they're going to get rid of you. The world wants to use you. That's only The world wants to make a profit off you. The world wants to make a buck off of you. And that's the hardest thing to understand when you start getting old. You, you, you start getting older. You start figuring out how the world works, you start realizing if it doesn't make sense, there's a buck in it. There's a dollar bill in it. When you're looking at something, you say, well, it doesn't make sense. Why are they doing that? Because somebody's making a dollar off of it. I, that's guaranteed. That's why, that's why they're doing that. Verse 6, the burden of the beasts of the south into the land of trouble and anguish from whence come the young and the old lion, the viper and the fiery flying serpent. Brother Keegan, do you believe in a fiery flying serpent? I said, yeah. I believe in fiery flying serpents. There used to be. A Bible, the Bible has it right in there. Hey, I'm going to put my faith right there in this word way before I put my faith in science. Now, you do what you want to do. They will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. You have no profit going down into Egypt. There's no profit there. You're not going to gain anything going back into the world, Christian. Look at verse 7. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. This is what God's cry to Israel is. This is what God's cry to any Christian that's backslidden. Anybody who's living through anything, he says, Now wait, their strength is to sit still. That's the hardest thing to do is wait on God. And God says, wait on me. Wait on me. Just wait on me. Their strength is to sit still. Do you know sometimes the best thing to do is to not do nothing at all? Amen. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to not do anything at all. Just to wait. Now, as, uh, as a man, as I know a lot of men are like this, we want to fix it. And we want to fix it quick. And we want to get it fixed. And we want to get it solved. And we want it be, but it don't work that way. 
God's on his timetable, and sometimes he says their strength, their strength is to sit still. So what happens a lot of times in our Christian life is something comes into our Christian life, might be financial problems, emotional problems, health problems, physical problems, and we panic. Ah, heal me up, Lord. Give, give me this money I need, Lord. And we start panicking. And the first thing God tells us is don't panic. Just wait. Just wait. You know those answers to prayer. Yes, no, and the one nobody likes, wait. Sometimes I'd rather hear no than to wait. But sometimes the Lord, I'll pray, and the Lord had a brother, uh, Wednesday night, brother uh, Russell Wright was in here, you know, missionary to Africa. We were talking outside the church, and he's saying, uh, oh, you should do this, brother, and you should do that, and you should do this. And I said, well, brother, I'll be honest with you. The Lord's, I prayed about that. I, I spoke to the Lord about doing that, and uh, I'm still waiting. <laughs> I, I wish he'd give me an answer, but I'm waiting. Sometimes you just have to wait on the Lord. And that's the strength. You know, uh, I've heard story after story of people being in a fire, being like in a theater or being in a fire, and somebody come in and yell out, fire, and everybody panics, and they all run towards the doors, and there'll be a couple, uh, you know, a man or woman back in the back, a husband and wife, and they don't panic. They stay calm, and what happens? They see everybody run into that, and they see there's another door right over there, and they just walk right on out to safety while everybody else is trampling each other and crammed in there. Sometimes you can get panicked and start running and doing something you shouldn't do. Amen. You know, God created those animals to teach you a lesson. When you're going down the road and you see that squirrel come out across the road and you see that squirrel do this, then that squirrel does that, then that squirrel does this, and you're like, get out the road, idiot, and that squirrel does this, and that squirrel does that, and you say, indecisiveness will get you ran over. That's what it teaches me. And then you, you're driving down the road, and then you see a deer. And there's a deer, and it's just looking at you. Everything's fine. Just stay right there. Don't move. Don't move. And that deer sees you, and then it panics, and it runs up, runs right in front of you, and you run it over, you know. Fear. That's what fear would do to you. If that deer would have just stayed still, Amen. everything would have been all right. Just wait. Just wait. God's created those animals to teach us lessons. Pigs. Hogs. What do you think of when you say pig or hog? Somebody's just slopping it in, slopping it in. There's, some, there's a lot of lessons in God's kingdom. We just ignore them. Amen. How about pride? How about arrogance? I think of a cat. Arrogance and pride, I think of a cat. Loyalty. What do you think of when you think of loyalty? A dog. Right? So you pet the dog. You pet the dog, and the dog looks up at you and says, this must be God. You pet a cat, and what does the cat think? I must be God. Amen, Amen Brother Daryl? That cat, that cat of Daryl's and Shirley's, it's, it's got them, so it's such a God. It's got Daryl walking it around on a leash. A cat on a leash. He takes it on vacation. He loves that cat. I've seen it in pictures. Shirley said, Daryl walks that cat around on a leash. I said, you're lying. Huh? Walks around on a leash. I said, no. I, I respect Daryl more than that. Well, let me show you. So she starts, she has pictures. I mean, I'm amazed at that cat. And, that cat's, and she's got video. It's not just like, you know, they had some dead cat. They set up there and put a leash on it. You know, it's, no, she's got video of this cat walking around. And Daryl's over there with the leash, walking this cat around. Or is the cat walking him? I don't know. 
I had to pick on you, brother. I had to do that. I just had to do that, brother. Yeah, you do what you're told. You do what you're told. Amen, brother. You do what you're told. That's what animal kingdom's there for. Verse 8, now go, write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may, may be for the time to come forever and ever. Amen. Let's stop right there. Let's, let's just let's hover on that verse right there. God tells Isaiah, now go, write it before them in a table. That's like a stone table, like a little, you know, like a tablet. And note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. You're looking at it right here. 3,000 years later, we're reading exactly what God told Israel 3,000 years ago. Brothers and sisters, that's why you can believe this book right here. I've had somebody tell me not too long ago, well, this book was written by men. You can't believe it. What about the prophecy? What about the... It's, it's amazing. We're still getting together. We're still reading the same book. It'll, it's going to last forever. Let me tell you something about this book. You might not believe what I'm saying about this book lasting forever, but I'll tell you this. This book was here way before you got here, and this book's going to be here way after you leave this earth. This book's going to be right here. Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I put my trust in this word. And God says there in verse 8, for the time to come forever and ever. Voltaire. He was an atheist philosopher. Back around 1700s, Voltaire, the guy's name is Voltaire. This is what he had to say about this Bible. 1700s. I will destroy in a few years what it took Christ 18 centuries to build. That's, his, that's what he bragged about. Voltaire said, I'll destroy in a few years what Christ took 18 centuries to build. He said, a hundred years, this is what Voltaire said, a hundred years from now, nobody's going to believe that Bible and it's going to be in a museum. That's what he said. You know what happened to old Voltaire? Well, he died. You know what happened to this book? I'm sitting here in 2020, still preaching it. Hey, Voltaire, you were just a little bit wrong on that. You know what happened to Voltaire's printing press that he had? He had a printing press. You know what happened to Voltaire's printing press? They started printing Bibles when he kicked the bucket. You know what happened to his house after, they, after he kicked the bucket? After Voltaire died and went to hell, you know what happened to his house? They started putting Bibles in it. The Geneva Bible Society bought it, and they started cramming Bibles into it. Hey, Voltaire, where's that word of God you said was going to disappear? I think it's still around. It's still going strong. Voltaire was quoted as, on his deathbed. He said, I'm, I've, I'm abandoned by God and man. That's what Voltaire said on his deathbed. He was truthful. Nobody would have anything to do with him at the end of his life. And then he knew that God had abandoned him. He had abandoned God. He said, he said I'm abandoned by God and man. He called his doctor and he said, I will give you half of what I'm worth if you'll give me six months. Can you imagine that? He says, I'll give you half of what I'm worth. If you'll give me six months. You don't think six months of your life isn't worth all that you're worth? You don't think that you couldn't go to some of these clinics in Houston that you have some a rich millionaire dying of cancer, you don't walk in there and that, that millionaire says, if you could heal me, I'll give you all the money I have? Oh, yeah. This man's so covetous, he says, I'll give you half of what I have for six months. You know what the doctor told him? The doctor told him the truth. 
The truth is what nobody likes. And the truth was, the doctor looked at him and says, you don't have six weeks. Voltaire said, then I shall go to hell and you'll go with me. That's how he went off into eternity. Then I shall go to hell and you'll go with me. That's Voltaire. That's somebody who doesn't believe this book. Somebody who mocked and made fun of this book and God said, see, write that down in a book and I want it to be forever and ever. One thing interesting about Voltaire that I love about uh, the stories of Voltaire, because there's a lot of stories of this guy being stupid, is Newton. Y'all know Isaac Newton? He's the father of science. Isaac Newton, he basically uh, created the science of gravity. He started understanding gravity, started studying gravity. What people don't know about Isaac Newton was he was a great man of God. He loved the Word of God. And Isaac Newton, the great man of God, read his Bible, got to Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, and the Bible says, At that time, men shall be run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So Newton said and wrote down, Newton wrote it down, said, There has to be a time. This is in 1700. In 1700, Newton wrote down and says, There has to be a time where man will be going over 50 miles an hour. There has to be a device, there has to be a vehicle that man creates to where he can travel faster than 50 miles an hour. Now that's a prophecy. Now Voltaire got a hold of that. And Voltaire mocked him and made fun of him. And see, this is what he said. See, Isaac Newton, that's a great mind. He said, but this guy got a hold of a Bible and this Bible made him start believing that men were going to go over 50 miles an hour. Voltaire said, what a dotard. What a moron. What an idiot. That's what Voltaire said. Now let me ask you something living in 2020. Is men going over 50 miles an hour in a vehicle they created? Yes, sir, they have. Who's the daughter now? When you go against this book, you're going against God. You know what this book says? You're a sinner. You know what this book also says? Your mom and dad were sinners. You know what this Bible says? Your grandmother and your granddad are sinners. You know what this Bible says? Everybody's a sinner. Everybody. But you know what this Bible also says? You can get out from this, under that sin by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You can believe what you want to believe, but it's been written down and it's been forever and ever. And it's going to keep going on. Look at verse 9. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Yep, that's it right there. Preachers preach, they don't want to hear it. The people give them Bibles, they don't want to read them. Quote them scripture, they don't want to hear it. It's that la, 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 and they put their fingers in the ears and it's just la, 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 as they keep on going. Brother Packer lived out in the ranch. There's a preacher that was under Brother Packer lived out on a ranch, and he uh, had, had a little uh, a lot out there by the steps. And he lived out in the ranch, and there was a, this girl was visiting him. And Brother Packer, if you know Brother Packer, he's a cut-up, man. He's always joking around and everything. And he told her, when he went down there, he, he, went, he went down there, and he went by there, and a rattlesnake was on the steps, and it rattled. And he got the bottom of the steps because he was walking her out. And this woman was visiting the church, and he told her, he said, hey, hey, don't come down here, there's a rattlesnake. She said, I don't believe you. And she didn't believe him, because he's always joking around. And she walked right over that rattlesnake. And he's like, no, 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 no. And she walked right over that rattlesnake. Sometimes, guys, we're not believed because we don't have a good testimony. 
We need to have a better testimony for Jesus Christ. We need to start living for Jesus Christ. We need to stop talking about Jesus Christ. We need to stop talking about it. We need to start living it. It's like the boy that cried wolf. He cried wolf so much with her, she didn't believe a word he said. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that not, will not hear the law of the Lord. Now, what the Lord's talking about there is Israel to him are his children. And that's what he's referring to. But what I want to point out to you is the children are the foundation of this country. Children are the foundation of this country. And somebody, somewhere along the way, stole our children. Because when I turn on the TV and I see a lot of this nonsense going on TV, a lot of the protests and a lot of stuff, this isn't old people running out there doing this. These are 20-year-olds. There's some of these are 30. These are children running out there acting like fools. Do you realize that Voltaire, the one I keep talking about, this atheist philosopher, when he was five years old, his parents gave him an atheistic, a skeptical poem for him to memorize. So since for five years old, Voltaire's had this stuff memorized in his brain. You don't think that affects you? It for sure affects you. The biggest blessing you can do as parents is get your children into church. Get them around the Word of God. Get them, get them to where they, they're learning the Word, learning about Jesus Christ, learning about God's love, learning about what's right and what's wrong. You've got to lay a foundation. If you don't teach your children, somebody's going to teach them something. They're learning every day. And if you're not teaching them, they're learning from the TV. They're learning from the Internet. They're learning from their friends. You better get ahead of that, and you better teach them. Lenin. Lenin said, the dictator, he said, Give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. They gave him four years. You know what's going on now in 2020? The seed is still strong. It never has been uprooted. Socialism and communism is running strong. Kids are taught early not to trust God, but to trust in science and to trust their teachers and to trust in government and philosophy. Listen, I heard a preacher from North Carolina say this one time, and it was profound. I can't take credit for it, but it's profound. This is what he said. This, this preacher, this old country, this old hillbilly preacher from North Carolina, this is what he said. He said, the Bibles were took out of the homes way before they were took out of the schools. We stopped praying at home way before we stopped praying at school. And that's profound. What he's saying is, What's going on, you're not doing it at home, so it's not happening at schools. If you get into a little community, there's a little Texas community. I'm not even going to name it because the, the, the ACLU will probably go after them. There's a little Texas community not far from here. Most of the people in that community go to the church. If you go, if you go to the school district, they pray in the name of Jesus Christ. When they play football, they say a prayer in the name of Jesus Christ at the football games. They have scripture on the walls in the schoolhouse? Well, how is that? That's against ACLU. That's against the government. They're God-fearing people. Amen. And that stuff's all in the homes. You know what happens when it's in the homes? It trickles up to the schools. So when you go to schools and you hear cussing, you hear a perversion, you hear all that stuff, you know why that's going on at the schools? It's going on at home. It's being brought up to the school. Guys, it's with our children. The devil's come in and stole our children. I'm going to give you a couple more quotes on this. 
What good fortune for governments that the people do not thank? That's a pretty good quote. What good fortune for governments? It's a good fortune for governments that the people do not thank. Hmm, who said that? I'll, tell, I'll give you another quote from this man. You, he's a famous man. This famous man said, He alone who owns the youth gains the future. Wow, that's pretty true. Who is this, who is this great man I'm talking about, this famous man? It's only Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler knew the truth. If you gain the children, you gain the future. Somebody's been going into schools teaching our kids stuff they shouldn't teach. No fear of God, no fear of God, no fear of God. Don't, don't talk to us. Look at verse 10. This is what they say, and God repeats it. God said, I heard them. This is what they say, verses 10 and 11. God says, this is what they say, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. They don't want to hear the truth. Get ye out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Don't preach at me, preacher. Don't tell me the truth. I don't just give me smooth things. Don't be preaching on hell. I don't want to hear about hell. Let's hear about heaven. It's all about God's love and heaven. God's love and heaven. And God's prosperity. God's going to prosper you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to make you wealthy. God wants to make you happy. God, God's whole job to some Christians is, his whole job is to make them happy. That's not biblical. God, there's some things God hates. There's some things you're doing that God doesn't like. And God will spank you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. You think I take pleasure in saying that? I have some loved ones that I think are going to hell. I have some loved ones I think went to hell. You think I take pleasure in saying that? But I don't take pleasure in what God's going to do to me if I don't tell you the truth. I tell you what, man, being a preacher, I know you can go back and ask your pastor there in Missouri, being a preacher, it's hard to find feel-good messages in this Bible. <laughs> it's real hard. You get, you, you, get, you get through them. I've been here about 15, 14, 15 years preaching. You get through the feel-good messages pretty quick. And then it's, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And you're like, man, i got to find something. They're going to leave me. They're going to they're kick me out of the church. It's always just negative, negative, negative. Because we're negative. And God can't keep us straight. And you need to hear it. And thank God you're willing to hear it. Praise the Lord. But there's some that won't. And he said, they say, see not, and the prophets prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Tickle the ears. Tickle the ears. For the time will come will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. One of the famous fables is evolution. They, they love the fable of evolution. That is a big fairy tale. That's a big fairy tale that uses time to try to explain everything. Instead of God, they try to use time. Oh, we, that won't work in one billion years? Now we'll change that to two billion years. Oh, that won't work with two billion years? Let's try to change that to four billion years. In evolution, they keep trying to push it back and push it back and push it back. Because it doesn't fit in there. It's a fairy tale. It's a fable. It goes against this book. But if you, by simple childlike faith, take this book and start in Genesis, 
and say, okay, I'm going to read Genesis. And you get right through there and you get into Genesis 6 and you go, wow, there's a worldwide flood according to this Bible. You know what science shows you when you get to studying that? Science says, we can't explain why there's seashells up on Mount Everest. How do they get there? <laughs> and some of these kids coming out of Sunday school will say, Noah had a flood. <laughs> they know more than that. What's wrong with these people? They don't want to believe God. Anything but God. That's what it says in verse 11. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. We don't want to hear about God. Get God out of our lives. Okay. There was a time, I don't know when it was. I can't pinpoint it. I'm not that smart. But there was a time where America, America was saying, get God out of here. We don't want God. We don't want to hear from preachers. We don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear anything else about Jesus Christ. And they're, ah, Jesus Christ is, ah, Christians. And there was a time where God said, okay. I'll get out of here. And God turned his back on America. Woe be unto us. God turned his back on America, and you can see it very in your, with your very eyes this morning. Just no control. Come up, and you wake up one morning, and you're like, I'm going to go, go do what I usually do, and there's a virus, everybody stay home. Well, who creates viruses? This is a man-made virus. I don't care if you think it's a man-made virus. God is a part of this. Amen. And then you get to going pretty good, and you're saying, well, you know, uh, I think maybe we're getting over this virus. I think maybe, you know, I, I don't care nothing about God, but maybe we're getting through this virus, things will start opening back up, and then the protesters running in the streets. My wife and I tried to take a little vacation. We left here on a Sunday after church. Let's go on vacation. They're finally starting to open things up in Dallas. We start heading up towards Dallas. By the time we get there, it's all over the news. They're downtown Dallas rioting and protesting, blocking roads. I just tell my wife, let's turn around and go home. God says, yeah, you want it? Here you go. So if that isn't enough, he sends a dust cloud from over in Africa. Man didn't create that dust cloud. Here it comes. And Americans in their stupidity, I don't believe in God. You're about to. You're about to cry out to him. If you have any kind of sense. Get out of the way. That's what it says in verse 11. Get out of the way. What are they going to do? This is what they want. Verse 12. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. Go back up to verse 12. There's three things in there. The first thing is, he goes, God says to them, because ye despise this word. I know I've been hammering it all morning long, so I'll just say it real quick. They hate this word of God. They hate it. They despise it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I, 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 I read it in the morning. I try to have it on the bumper of my car. I try to do what I can do to get this word of God out. I love this word of God. But he says you despise it. And look at this. Trust in oppression. Wow. Preacher, I want you to preach on something that applies to my life right now. I don't want to hear about those stories from 3,000 years ago. I want something that applies to my life right now. It applies, it applies, it applies. Yes. Trust in oppression. 
What, what do I need to be, do to be safe? Oh, what, what, what? They're trusting in safety. They're trusting in government, and they stop trusting in God. Amen. They're trusting in oppression. Socialism. I never thought the day, there would be a day in my life where world lead, um, American leaders, American leaders, would stand up and say, it's time for socialism. What? Socialism has been proven not to work in any country. In any country. I don't care what country you, you they've proved it. It's never been proven to work. Not one time. Socialism. It's oppressive. It creates dictatorships. But it'll work here. No, I'm serious. I mean, I know y'all think I'm not making this stuff up. They will tell you to your face. Yeah, I know it didn't work in Venezuela. I know it didn't work in Germany. I know it didn't work over here. I know it didn't work in Russia and Italy. But it'll work here in America. <laughs> yeah, whatever. When did, when, did we, when did we get a country full of morons? You know when we did? When they came out of the schools. We raised them up in school and we'll say... Uh, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. Please go to college. And our kids are like, well, I think I'm not. No, go to college. And we send them off to college. And you got these atheistic, unbelie unbelieving, God denying preachers, I mean, uh, professors and teachers up there teaching them to hate God and to hate Christianity and not to believe that book. And after four years of that hammered, hammered, hammered into them, they come out and we wonder why our kids are so messed up. I don't have nothing, there's nothing wrong with education. But, with, but edu, like Dr. Ruttman says, education without sal salvation is damnation. You've got to have a foundation before you can go in there. Have a foundation of Jesus Christ. You go into a school and don't have the foundation of Jesus Christ, you're going to get in there and they're going to lay a foundation for you. Socialism is not such a bad thing. You know, I don't know what to say about this, and I, I, I've been thinking about this, and I don't know what to say. It just drives me nuts, but we can't say what we want to say here in America. I can't say what I want to say. We're oppressed. We are. Amen. Amen. We're oppressed. You can't say what you want to say, you'll lose your job. Amen. You, you voice an opinion, they come after you. I know a young man that's being attacked by somebody that's like 20 states above us. They don't even know, has never, I don't know if they've ever even been to Texas, or he's being attacked for what he said. It was, let me stop that. It wasn't even what he said. He pushed like on the wrong picture. He pushed like on the wrong picture, and they said, is that who you really want working for you? Trying to get him fired. They're coming for each one of us. You're going to trust in oppression? I believe I'm going to trust in the liberty of Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I know this, this is kind of a July 4th message. It's just it's mind-boggling that people want to trust in the society that we're trusting in. And then lastly, he says there, you trust in the oppression and in perverseness. Do I, even, do I even need to preach that? <laughs> do I need to even preach how perverted America is? 
how perverted the world is? Do I need to even preach that? I don't think I will. We got a lot of young kids in here that, that you know what that means. That means that this country's shot. That means this country, God's flushing it down the toilet. But that's okay. This isn't my country. I live here, and I appreciate the freedom. My country's up here. Got it? My country's up in heaven. Wherever Jesus Christ is at, that's where I want to be at. So when I have somebody in the country saying, we don't want God. Okay, well, I want to go where he's at then. Where's he at? I want to go up there. Y'all can... The country that you see on TV, the rioting, they're taking statues, they're pulling them down, they're painting, spray painting, they're shooting cops, they're doing all that. That's the country that we deserve. So we said, hey God, get out of here. God said, you want to see what it's like? There you go. The worst thing God can do to you is to turn you loose. And he's done it. And we're getting what we deserve. Verse 13, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose break, breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. What's happening is, is people are living this way, and they're building a wall. And they're building a wall. And they're trying to build a wall between them and God. And that wall is going to come down and kill them. And he says it's going to fall down on you, and it's going to be like in an instant. It's not going to be slow, it's going to be in an instant. He shall break it as a breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare. That's God. So that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a sure to take fire from the hearth or to take water with all out of the pit. He said, when I get done with you guys, you, there's going to be nothing that's good for anything. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. Amen. Turn back. Why are you staying under the shadow of Egypt? Why are you putting your trust in the government? Why are you putting your trust in, 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 in political leaders? Return to God and put your trust in Him. Rest in God. And you shall be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength and you would not. Just keep quiet. They're all running in the streets screaming and hollering and chanting and saying all some of the stupidest things you can think of. It's our time to say, okay, go ahead and do that. My strength is in my confidence, my strength is in my quietness. But ye said, verse 16, No, for we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall ye flee, and we will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. God says, You know what? You think you're going to do this? That's exactly how I'm, I'm going to take care of you. How you think you're getting away from me is how I'm going to take care of you. You want to get rid of me and say, we want socialism. We don't want God. We want to get away from that. God says, okay, you know what's going to kill you? Socialism. And you're seeing it happen. You want to do without God? Doing without God is what's going to kill you. You want to do without police? Doing what, what, without police is what's going to kill you. That's what God's saying. So that's, I say, you know, Brother Keegan, you're preaching a political message. I have to preach this because there's a lot of people in this country don't get it. I know y'all get it. I know y'all understand this. But you see, this, this, is written seven, this is written about 2,700 years ago. And it sounds like it was written yesterday about this country. It's unbelievable. But hey, there's good news. Hey, there's good news. And we're getting to it and we're going to close. There's good news, guys. 
Look down at verse 18. Let's skip ahead to verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. After I said all of this and how God has turned us back, and you've turned your back on God, God still is gracious. This Lord God is still merciful. You can scream at him and God, and they put their fists up in the air, and there is no God. And I, I told you about the guy that's got those t-shirts and the banner that said, Let Jesus Christ come back. We'll kill him again. You know God loves him? He wants to save him. Look at verse 19. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. If you'll just turn unto God, and there's going to come a time where you're going to get sick of this world. Whoever, whoever you are, wherever you are, you're going to get sick of this world, how this world is. If you just turn unto God, cry out unto God, he'll hear you. He'll save you. Why is that? Because see that middle of verse 19? He will be very gracious. What's grace mean? It means giving you something you don't deserve. You know what I know about the Lord God being a sinner the way I've been? He's very, very gracious. Yep. He's put up with me. He's put up with me. He's put up with me. And every time I've cried out to him, he's been there. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he's the Lord and Savior. That's your verse, verse 19. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. See that? See how it says it doesn't say you might, he might answer you? He said he will answer thee. See that verse above my head right now? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See that shall means not might, shall be saved. See that call? You just call upon him. The best way you know how. He'll save you. He'll save you. That's all you need. You don't, need a, you don't need a new government. You don't need a new political leader. You don't need a new Egypt. You don't need another Pharaoh. You don't need another political system. What you need is Jesus Christ. And what I'm telling you this morning is, you're going to get out in the streets, and you're going to protest, you're going to tear stuff down, and then what do you got? What then? I'm telling you, with Jesus Christ, you're going to have more peace, more joy, more happiness, more contentment than you've ever known, that you ever can imagine, and it all comes through Jesus Christ and thanks to Jesus Christ. Amen. And then this world, this utopia that you dream about and sing about and go down the street marching and protesting and say, this is the kind of utopia we, we want, that utopia is only found in Jesus Christ, and it's only going to be here when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes back as King of kings and Lord of lords. When Jesus Christ comes and he sits on that, that throne of David in Jerusalem, he starts ruling this world, that's when you're going to get the peace. And man, I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Trump. But I went and voted. You didn't vote for Hillary, did you? No, I'm not a big moron. You know, I'm a moron, but not that big a moron. What I do every year, the presidential election comes up every year, there's nobody there I want to vote for. And I know y'all love a lot of y'all love Trump, but there's nobody there I want to vote for. So I go in there every year, and I go in there, and I put a write-in candidate. And in that write-in candidate, I write down, Jesus Christ. And one time I was listening to the radio, <laughs> and they were talking, yeah, we got over for president. This is back in George W. George W. Bush, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and we got one write-in candidate, Jesus Christ. 
Yeah. Jesus Christ is going to come back. He comes out in that white stallion. He comes down. He starts rolling this world. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go down before that king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm going to get down on my knees. And I'm going to say one thing. I voted for you. Amen. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to look at me and say, Keegan, you don't vote in a king. You don't vote in a king. Well, I don't want Jesus Christ. It don't matter what you want. You're going to get him. So you might want to get on the side of Jesus Christ. That's where all the power's at. That's where all the glory's at. It's going to be in Jesus Christ, not in all this other nonsense you see. So when you go try to get under and start trusting in the shadow of Egypt, start trusting in the shadow of Pharaoh, that's what you're going to get, what you're seeing in this world right now. If you want peace and joy and gladness and happiness, you're going to find it in Jesus Christ. Lord, I don't know if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that knows you or not. Father, I trust that most of these in here are saved, Father. But if there's somebody that can't think of a time that they've called out to you and for salvation, Father, I'm praying, Lord, as we give this invitation, they'll come on down the aisle. Lord God, I don't know what's in people's hearts, Father God, but I know what's on your heart, Lord, that you love them, that you died for them. You sent your son, Lord God, to shed his blood for their sin, that you might make that atonement, Lord, that you've paid it all. And all they need to do is just trust in you, Lord God, and put their faith in you. And call out to you, Lord God, and you'll take care of them, Lord. And I thank you that you're very gracious, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, above all else, that you're sitting on a throne of grace this morning and not a throne of condemnation. Because if you were sitting on a throne of condemnation, I couldn't approach, Father. I'm just unholy, and I'm a sinner. But, Father, thank you for sitting on a throne of grace, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to call you Father. Amen. But, Lord, I love you, and I can't wait to see you, Lord God. And, boy, if you just come back right now, Lord, that'd make me happy. I want to see you face to face, Lord. I want to take my tears and wash your feet, Lord. I can't wait to thank you for saving this old wretched sinner. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for just being you. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.